the sea, and sometimes in the air as well, they assume the outward appearance of dragons. Some of the lesser jinn are unable, when on earth, to maintain their form for long periods. These amorphous creatures sometimes slide into human beings through the ears, nose, or eyes, and occupy those bodies for a while, discarding them when they tire of them. The occupied human beings, regrettably, do not survive. The female jinn, the jinnias, or jinniri, are even more mysterious, even subtler and harder to grasp, being shadow women made of fireless smoke. There are savage jinniri and jinniri of love, but it may also be that these two different kinds of jinnia are actually one and the same that a savage spirit may be soothed by love, or a loving creature roused by maltreatment to a savagery beyond the comprehension of mortal men. This is the story of a jinnia, a great princess of the jinn, known as the Lightning Princess on account of her mastery over the Thunderbolt, who loved a mortal man long ago in the twelfth century, as we would say, and of her many descendants, and of her return to the world after a long absence to fall in love again, at least for a moment, and then to go to war. It is also the tale of many other jinn, male and female, flying and slithering, good, bad, and uninterested in morality, and of the time of crisis, the time out of joint, which we call the time of the strangenesses, which lasted for two years eight months and twenty-eight nights, which is to say, one thousand nights and one night more. And yes, we have lived another thousand years since those days, but we are all forever changed by that time, whether for better or for worse. That is for our future to decide. In the year 1195, the great philosopher Ibn Rushd, once the Qadi or judge of Seville, and most recently the personal physician to the Caliph Abu Yusuf Yaqub in his hometown of Cordoba, was formally discredited and disgraced on account of his liberal ideas which were unacceptable to the increasingly powerful Berber fanatics who were spreading like a pestilence across Arab Spain, and sent to live in internal exile in the small village of Luthina, outside his native city, a village full of Jews who could no longer say they were Jews because the previous ruling dynasty of Al-Andalus, the Al-Muravaydith, had forced them to convert to Islam. Ibn Rushd, a philosopher who was no longer permitted to expound his philosophy, all of whose writing had been banned and his books burned, felt instantly at home among the Jews who could not say they were Jews. He had been the favorite of the caliph of the present ruling dynasty, the Almohads, but favorites go out of fashion. And Abu Yusuf Yaqub allowed the fanatics to push the great commentator on Aristotle out of town. The philosopher who could not speak his philosophy lived in a narrow, unpaved street, in a humble house with small windows, and was terribly oppressed by the absence of light. He set up a medical practice in Luthina, and his status as the ex-physician of the caliph himself brought him patience. 
In addition, he used what assets he had to enter modestly into the horse trade, and also financed the making of the large earthenware vessels, tinachas, in which the Jews who were no longer Jews stored and sold olive oil and wine. One day, soon after the beginning of his exile, a girl of perhaps sixteen summers appeared outside his door, smiling gently, not knocking or intruding on his thoughts in any other way, and simply stood there waiting patiently until he became aware of her presence and invited her in. She told him that she was newly orphaned, that she had no source of income, but preferred not to work in the whorehouse and that her name was Dunya, which did not sound like a Jewish name, because she was not allowed to speak her Jewish name, and because she was illiterate, she could not write it down. She told him...